0: You don't even like sports.
1: Welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports, a podcast about sports for people who don't like sports with your hosts Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. Hey, Jeff. Is that yeah, you? Adam? Hi, it's me. It's Jeff. Oh, it's Jeff. It's interesting that you're here because I had something I wanted to tell you, which is that, mm, that you don't you even, don't like, even sports. like sports. Hey, hey, yeah,
0: you see that? I get it.
1: No, I was saying you don't even like sports. No, but it was me saying true. it about you to you, not you saying it to me about me. That's
0: that's so weird because I actually I don't know if you got it, but I sent you that letter a couple days ago. I don't know if it arrived there, but it basically outlines the full details of how you don't even like sports.
1: I don't have my mail sent to my home address, so I don't ever read it or open it or get it. So, no, I just know that I read a thing the other day that said you don't even like sports. Hey, everybody, welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports. I am Adam Todd Brown. And
0: I'm Adam Todd Brown, and I don't even like sports.
1: No, you're not. Why would you say that? You're not. I'm me.
0: I'm just being cute.
1: Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Our character, no. oh. you got gut. Jeff, we're talking about John Daly again, again, like
0: we've been doing this whole season. And it, well, it's about time. I think we're going to finally get down to the root of his problem.
1: Yes, which is he
0: finally admits that he has a problem,
1: and his problem is all these no good women in his life.
0: No good nicks. These right. ladies.
1: I. Mentioned the parallels between John Daly and Steve Earle on the last episode, mostly in reference to their appetites for drugs, formerly in Steve Earle's case. Another parallel between the two. Lots of marriages. Steve Earle, seven marriages to six different women. So John Daly's clocking in at a far more modest four marriages. But. Not bad. Either way, I'm sorry. But in both cases, there's one constant in all those failed marriages. Same dude. Every time. That means it stands to reason that the women probably were not the issue most, if not all, of the time.
0: Yeah, they're an ingredient to the meal. They're the pepperoni on the pizza. You take the pepperoni off, you still have a whole pizza.
1: Yeah, and again, one of the differences between the two, Steve Roe readily admits, he's a piece of shit husband. He's a terrible person. To oh, have the a guy that smoked crack at the airport or whatever? <laughs> like, yeah. That sold his plane ticket
0: it yeah. was a piece of shit? Get out of town.
1: If you can imagine. John Daly sure does not own up to any of that. This entire chapter is just him explaining why all of his failed marriages were not his fault. This is a quote. This is how he kicks things off. I've had three divorces. One peaceful but long. One long and nasty. One short and brutal. Still... While I'm not exactly an oil painting, women I mean, do seem to like me. Okay, and one of my main sponsors is Hooters. So how bad could I be? But that it ain't a... been easy, brother. It ain't been easy.
0: What an interesting, I have black friends. Way to describe <laughs> that. He's like, hey, one of my main sponsors is Hooters. So how could I possibly be bad for women?
1: Yeah, I can't be a misogynist. Hooters loves me. Yeah. It's like, have you women seen? Women the un- work there. Don't you understand that? Have you seen the Undercover Boss episode about Hooters? Not what you think you're saying there. Oh, please, though. I
0: know we've got a show to do, but you can't just drop Undercover Boss episode of Hooters on me and then just breeze past it.
1: Oh, the CEO of Hooters goes undercover at a bunch of different Hooters restaurants. And at one of them, the manager would make the girls compete in all these really humiliating contests to decide who got to go home earliest. One of them was he would put baked beans on a plate and make them put their hands behind their back. And whoever could bend over and eat the most baked beans in the quickest amount of time, they got to go home early. And he did this in front of the CEO. And the CEO was like, let's talk. You're fired forever. It was like, pretty fucking great i mean that's pretty rad yeah i mean in the ceo's defense he absolutely did the right thing it score like, another
0: one for the ceo of hooters just it, being an ally to women
1: yeah i mean he was like look i get that we're hooters but we're
0: not. yeah he's like that's not hooters <laughs> although i've got to be honest man if that happened at hooters if they had a baked bean eating contest from the hooter girls I would go to Hooters every goddamn day. Every 4th of July, that's what we need. <laughs> uh, this hot dog eating contest. We need the Hooters baked beans on a tin eating contest.
1: Yeah, as long as it's consensual. So with that, he launches into a complete and detailed takedown of each of his wives in a chapter of his autobiography called All My Exes Wear Rolexes.
0: Boy, is he proud of that line. That's like his child.
1: That is the premier word play in his life. He's so happy about it.
0: He's so proud of it that he ripped off a Clint Black song.
1: And he explains it in the opening paragraphs of this chapter. This is the one and only part where he mentions that he put an album out, because that had happened by this point. The album came out in 2002. And he briefly mentions it up top. He tells you where you can buy it. And then, yeah, he says that the title of this chapter is the name of a song on the album. And the song. The title of that is a take on all my exes live in Texas.
0: Oh, I see. You get I get like it? He's was like, here's where you can get the album. Wherever fine Callaway products are sold. And then it's crossed out.
1: It's just like his website, I think. Yeah. It doesn't it's exist white- anymore.
0: The word Callaway is whited out on every copy, like the Billy Ripken <laughs> fuck face baseball card.
1: So let's dive into these marriages. Up first, Dale Crafton, 1987 to 1990.
0: Curveball, if you're not Southern, that Dale is a woman's name.
1: Yes. You don't see that a lot.
0: No. It's like when you meet a Chris. Yeah. You're like, is that yeah. short for anything? No, it's just Chris.
1: All right. He met Dale Crafton at the bar inside the Holiday Inn in Blytheville, Arkansas in the summer of 1987. She was a hand model living in Memphis at the time. How do you fall into a job like that?
0: You know how? You grip it and rip it, bro. <laughs> That's right. She's the grip it, and he was the rip it.
1: <laughs> you just got to have utmost confidence in those fucking hands, I guess.
0: Yeah, like is it a vein thing? Is it? I don't know. The nails?
1: Is it no scars? I don't know. If I knew, Jeff, I'd be. A <laughs> We'd hand be model. in it. Yeah, she was a few years older than him, but they had the same birthday, April twenty eighth. Here's a quote: "I've always believed shit like that means something. That's deep. That's deep.
0: You know what I realized?" Our last episode of the podcast is going to be released on his birthday.
1: Oh, that's great. That's perfect, actually. Should we try and get him on the pod? I mean, if he's willing to come on, <laughs> yes. I feel like he'd sue us if he even knew this podcast existed. He tried to hey, sue us. What are someone. the odds
0: that one of the wives is going to hear this episode?
1: Someone will hear it
0: and, and be like, hey, these guys talk shit on John for you.
1: I mean, someone needs to, because again, this whole chapter is just him talking shit about the women he married with no counterpoints, no counter arguments, no interviews yeah. with the other well, side. Yeah, and he's not
0: going to be like, hey, this is terrible. Can I interview about this?
1: yeah so these two they're married before the year ends before 1987 even lets out john daly and dale crafton are married keep in mind they met
0: halfway through the year right this was not a february meetup
1: and it didn't last long what she filed for divorce proceedings while he was playing on that tour in south africa that we mentioned a few episodes and that's like 88 89 their divorce is finalized in 1990 and that took about a year so It's like late 88, early 89. Hmm. Let's talk about a pattern that is going to develop here. He admits that he started drinking at near college days levels after they got married. But he also cannot for the life of him put his finger on what changed between them. This is a quote. John. Then all of a sudden, me and Dale just got cold with each other. We had a lot of fun together before we got married. We drank beer together. We danced together. But I swear, something happened when we got married.
0: He's like, we were as cold as a nice, tall, (laughs) frosty glass of Bud Light.
1: One of the 28 I would drink each day. This is another quote. She got to nagging me pretty hard about my drinking. The truth is, though, I was drinking pretty hard because my golf game sucked. (laughs) He's so
0: stupid.
1: (laughs) But mainly, me and Dale just (laughs) drifted away from each other to the point that we weren't hardly talking to each other at all. John you know, that isn't drifting away. <laughs> you're just an alcoholic, you're drinking yeah. too much
0: Yeah if you're drifting, you're drifting in alcohol away from someone
1: <laughs> Yeah, you are floating away from her. yeah that's not, that is not how that works And it blows my mind that throughout this entire chapter he never puts two and two together in that way. Not once is he like, yeah, the problem could be that I started drinking again. He'll be like, I started drinking again, but also I don't know why things got so weird between us. It's crazy. He praises her for not asking for alimony. Then he adds this hole-in-one of a final passage about Dale Crafton. The day I heard the divorce was final, I celebrated by getting shit-faced drunk, losing a bunch of money in the casino, and trashing my hotel room. If you can call that celebrating... So yeah, I guess it did hurt a little more than I thought at the time, because I usually don't destroy things unless I'm mad about something.
0: Like his marriages.
1: Yeah. So he celebrates his divorce by getting hammered and trashing his hotel room. And all throughout that, he's like, but why didn't she like me anymore? I would like to add,
0: too, that he is looking at this behavior like a biologist studying an animal. Yeah. He's like, through this behavior, it is uh, decreed that this animal must be angry about something. Like what, man? You're the person. You don't have to diagnose this behavior. You're the one who's doing it. He's like, no, man, let's get to the bottom of it.
1: Let's figure this out. Let's get to the bottom of it. Must have been her. What's wrong with these broads?
0: Man, she really kind of matrix dodged that bullet a little bit, huh?
1: She did. In retrospect, she probably should have asked for some alimony.
0: little alimony would have been nice.
1: Just even a little bit. I mean, you're it's living in on. Arkansas. A little bit's going to go a long way. Two grand a month in Arkansas? In the 80s? Come on.
0: Ooh, 80s money? Do you know how much Mountain Dew and meth you could get in Arkansas? You could buy acres. You
1: could buy acres to store that Mountain Dew and meth on. So, <laughs>
0: Do you know how many storage
1: units you could get
0: <laughs> for all your collectible Anna Lee dolls and alcohol bottles?
1: So Betty Fulford was the next lucky winner in the John Daly marriage sweepstakes. Adam?
0: Real quick, Mm -hmm. we need to address the spelling of her name. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's Betye.
1: Yeah, there's a singer, a really famous soul singer named Betty Lavetti, who spells her name the same way. It's just Betty, but with an extra E at the end and stupid.
0: The Southerners, man.
1: Yeah, there's no reason for it. Is she from the South? I don't know. I'm just jumping to that. Betty Fulford? I mean, almost certainly. I think anyone who marries John Daly is going to be from some portion of the south right
0: what little rock did they crawl out from under
1: (laughs) he calls meeting betty fulford a case of sex at first sight god stay classy john yeah i cannot overemphasize how much he talks about sex in this book
0: he's like an 80s rock song
1: he really is yeah he really thinks you want to know everything about his sex life and i doubt he asked any of these women if they were all right with him going into that much detail. I feel like he
0: really did overestimate the amount that we want to picture him naked.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. He says Betty had been an athlete in her younger days. She was a cheerleader in college. And when I say younger days, we're not talking that much younger. She was 29, just five years older than John at the time. Or so she said. That's a quote from the book.
0: (laughs) I would like to add, by the way, That of all of the ways that the dating life of somebody can go, men of a certain age tend to go for women much younger than them. And John Daly is consistently dating slightly older women. Yeah. And I got to shout him out for that. That's pretty cool.
1: Not anymore, but...
0: Oh, I don't know no, no, no. <laughs> now.
1: Back then, yeah. So they were together for about a year when, during a trip to Vegas, John decides they should get married. Because you're really hitting critical juncture there. After a year, the meat spoils and you can't marry anymore. Yeah. So Plus, John
0: only makes good decisions in Vegas.
1: Everyone makes good decisions in Vegas for the most
0: part. Well, if you go into the Peppa Mill Diner, then you made a good decision. Mm exactly so Mariah Haunted Carey Mansion, at the opening of a pandemic.
1: <laughs> I saw Mariah Carey's last concert ever. Unless she changes her mind, she came out and said, "I'm not touring anymore." So, I got that in right under the wire. She had one more show scheduled in Hawaii and canceled that one. Do you so, have
0: the ticket stubs still?
1: No, I don't think they were paper ticket stubs. I have a hoodie that I bought at the show.
0: So, are you wearing it, Adam?
1: No, but I am wearing a, a different Mariah, Mariah Butterfly
0: <laughs> hoodie. Hoodie, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, he decides that they should get married. Here's a quote. But when we got to Vegas, and I brought up the idea, Betty started hemming and hawing. I didn't get it. Later, I found out why she said no. And at this point, I'm going to be like, oh, is it because you were drunk?
0: Were is it because you... you're a piece of shit,
1: yeah, it's John? on because you're an alcoholic. But she agreed that they would get married when he returned to Vegas for another tournament in October. So they didn't get married like he wanted, but they got engaged. And then... It happens. In the span of about six weeks, he finds out the following things about Betty. She wasn't 29. She was closer to 39. She had a 13-year-old son that she had never mentioned. And one minor other thing, she was still married to her second husband.
0: Her second husband. She's racking him up like John Daly.
1: And what's crazy is John Daly doesn't find this out from her. Friends of hers start seeing her in like pictures with John Daly in the media and they start contacting his people and they're like, listen, that woman's married and none of it gets back to John Daly somehow until news reports about this start coming out. And he confronts her about it and she's like, nah, those are lies. It's the media (laughs) lying about me. And he actually believes her. At first, but he eventually confronted her after someone showed him a high school yearbook showing she graduated in 1972, meaning for her to be the age she claimed to be, she'd have to have graduated at, like, the age of 12. Maybe
0: she's a genius.
1: Could be, yeah. Doogie Howser.
0: You ever think about that?
1: So she's obviously caught on the age thing, and she admits to that, but she's like, okay, but the kid and the husband? No, that's all a lie.
0: (laughs) I like how it's like, well, he didn't even find out from her. Well, clearly she's not willing to give that information up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Once you see it in the news, why not ask the reporter what their evidence is? But yeah, he at first doesn't believe her, but he finally catches her in the lie about her age and he decides to break up with her anyway, at which point she tells him she's pregnant with his child.
0: Ah, classic move. So the old keep a daily,
1: baby. She hires a famous palimony lawyer and sues John Daly for more than a million dollars. And palimony is exactly what it sounds like. It's alimony, but you weren't married, but you were together long enough that you're still entitled to some of the money that each of you earned during that time. Yeah. and Because your are pals. Because your pals. Exactly. And so she hires this palimony attorney, but as it turns out, Tennessee doesn't recognize palimony as a Thing Which leads to one of the most amazing quotes from the book. In a book filled with golden nuggets. Filled with them. Before I read it, let me just go through what has happened here. John Daly has proposed to Betty Fulford. She says no. He finds out she's way older than she claimed. She's maybe already married. She maybe has a kid that she's not telling the truth about. He breaks up with her. She sues him for a million dollars, finds out she can't sue him in the state of Tennessee. Obviously, the next thing to do at that point, get married. Of course. Fucking what? None of this happened while they were married. This is all pre-marriage. And then it happens, and John's like, well, she's pregnant, I gotta marry her. It's like, not
0: really. The fuck?
1: That is not the thing. And also, by the way, he does not prenup this shit? No, no. Mm,
0: John, 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 John.
1: And he says he did it so their child would be
0: legitimate. So when do you care about that? (laughs) What in your life has been legitimate up to this point?
1: Yeah, it's a weird twist. And I can't fathom going through all of that and then deciding, all right you're right, we should get married. And so here's a timeline of events for how this marriage ends up going. December 91, he tells Betty to move out, prompting her to sue him. January 92, she divorces that husband of hers. Turns out he was real. That
0: rascally husband.
1: (laughs) May 1992, John and Betty get married. June 1992, their daughter is born. August 1992, they buy a house in Colorado. October 92, they split up. December 92... He comes back home for Christmas, and we talked about that already. This is the wife from the Colorado incident where he either does or does not throw her into a wall while destroying his home in full view of Chicago Bears legend Dan Hampton.
0: It's a Mad Libs-ass existence, this man really lives.
1: January 93, he goes to rehab. March 93, they buy a new house in Florida. July 93, John Daly files for divorce. That is
0: one hell of a year and a half.
1: It sure is. Yeah, this is the wife from the Colorado incident. So he maybe, his wife. maybe not threw her into a wall. And let's reflect on that quote from the last episode about how anger is his real problem. He's destroyed more things sober. Then he has drunk. That means his anger is beyond his control. I would also like to
0: add that what does he define as sober? True. Just kind of a buzz?
1: Yes. And I would argue 15 Diet Cokes a day isn't sobriety. That's way too much caffeine.
0: Yeah, I feel like that statement of him being like, I've fucked up more shit sober. I think that means that he was like, well, I wasn't blackout drunk. I remember being drunk when I broke this shit. That's kind of the way a lot of people talk in these situations.
1: So from there, the divorce takes a year and a half, and it apparently costs John Daly a lot of money, a thing he's very indignant about. He makes a big deal about Rolexes at the end of each of these chapters. The end of the Dale Crafton chapter, he says she's the only one who didn't get a Rolex, and it's like, fucking of course she's the only one who didn't get a Rolex. The one who was the least problem didn't get the Rolex. Well,
0: squeaky wheel, man. Yeah, Uh, true. (laughs) Yeah. But also, it means that the title is a lie.
1: Oh, that's true. Maybe she wears one now. Maybe he's since bought her one. Maybe he gifted her one, yeah. Yeah, To level the playing field.
0: Because the authenticity. We know how he was about his legitimate child, so he wants to have a legitimate (laughs) chapter.
1: (laughs) And he ends the section about Betty Fulford with the sentence, And yes, she left with a Rolex. (laughs) So what?
0: So it's like, and yes, she left with a Toyota Tercel.
1: And he usually says... In the midst of all this, there will be a point where he's like, so I bought her a Rolex. And it's like, well, you bought her a Rolex. Of course she left with it. You don't give it back at the end of the marriage. That's not how that works, you dipshit. So, I would. <laughs> I mean, if you can do it, obviously. So his next wife, Paulette Dean Daly. 1995 is when they end up getting married, but they met January 1992 at the Bob Hope Chrysler Classic in Palm Springs, here is one of the most jaw-dropping quotes in this entire book. Again, book that has a lot of them. This is John Daly talking about his golf that day. I was in a foursome with Bob Hope, former President Gerald Ford, and Vice President Dan Quayle. Just weird. And I was sure he was going to make a sex joke and just leaves it on the table.
0: I think the Secret Service will garrot you if you do that. Probably. But holy shit, that's the foursome. Bob Hope's like, wow, that's wild. Who do we want to have with our fourth?
1: Yeah, he seems like a weird pairing for that group. Right. What did they
0: need to put John Daly on there with Jerry Ford and Dan Quayle?
1: <laughs> Especially Christ. Dan Quayle?
0: ooh, The current vice president at the time.
1: Yes. That's nuts. So he met his third wife five months before he married his second wife. Nothing suspicious about that timeline whatsoever. Apparently at these tournaments, Bob Hope would have a team of women follow him around in short shorts just so he could be followed by pretty women. And Paulette was one of those women. And they met at this That's tournament. The they kept in touch. And they got married in Vegas the day after his divorce from Betty was final. I can't figure out what went wrong with him and Betty. You just throw someone into a wall, drink constantly, and have a second relationship brewing the whole time. And she divorces him over that? Wow. What a
0: bitch. Yeah. I hate to blame women for everything, but I think John Daly's right on this one. This is her yeah. fault.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's John Daly. So they get married on January 28th, 1995. Here's a quote. We had a nice honeymoon in Bally's. No, you didn't. <laughs> you sure did
0: not. You can't. Nobody <laughs> can.
1: I lost a bunch of money, but at the time I didn't care and everything was cool. I bought her a Rolex.
0: You want to unpack that? He, How much do you want to unpack that here? I, yeah. What everything,
1: does everything was cool mean?
0: Yeah. That's something you say as you're getting arrested. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm cool. I'm cool. Everything's cool. It's cool, man. It's cool. And there's another really telling quote here. Things always seem to start going downhill when I get married. A clue. (laughs) I wonder what it could be, John. My dear Watson, I believe we've found a clue. And this is an especially shitty section of this chapter because it seems like John Daly's whole problem is that after Paulette Dean delivered their baby. She didn't want to travel with him to every tournament. She didn't want to raise their child on a tour bus. And she said she would still go to like the nice tournaments, like in the cool places, but if you're playing in Wichita, she's not gonna haul the kid on the road to Wichita. And John Daly was like, fuck you. How dare you? How dare
0: you not want to go to Wichita?
1: And that was his whole thing with her, was Why didn't she want to be on the tour bus with me all the time? I have to be on the tour bus, so she has to be. I feel like this dude
0: didn't get his ass beat enough.
1: Oh, yeah. A lot of things that should have happened in John Daly's childhood seem not to have happened.
0: That's what happens when his parents were gallivanting around, not being home
1: to beat their kid. And, yeah, that doesn't seem that unfair to me that a new mother, which I have never been a mother, but I imagine delivering and raising a child is quite a thing. Can we fact check that one, Brett? Off camera, Brett? Brett? He's not here. But it seems like John Daly could be a little more understanding in this moment, it, and he's just you know not. What?
0: Adam, who's the real baby?
1: <laughs> it's John Daly, actually. Do you see what I did as I yeah, subverted
0: yeah. the thing because he'd had a baby? Imagine being that much of a dipshit.
1: But also, you have to think of John Daly's upbringing. In his mind, he's probably like, leave the kid on the farm. Let's just have another kid. And then we'll have the older one watch the young. Let's just fucking let's go.
0: He's a baby. He (laughs) doesn't remember to be mad at you.
1: It's a really weird argument on John Daly's part. And there's definitely a pattern, another pattern developing here. I mentioned it earlier. They get married in 1995. If you remember from the last episode, John Daly started drinking again in 1996. Her fault. Her fault.
0: What the hell, Betty? Yee?
1: And or this Paulette. is Paulette.
0: This was Paulette, sorry. Yeah,
1: this is Paulette. And this is another example. Let's just get to these twin <laughs> quotes. First off, if you're wondering what being married to John Daly is like when he's drinking, here is right from the horse's mouth. One night, probably around 11 o'clock in our new place in Memphis, I said, I see we're out of milk again. I'm going to go get some. And I came back three days later. I drove to Tunica and spent three days gambling at the horseshoe. <laughs> looking for a little peace of mind. And he says that like, that's all. That's all I did. I said I was going to the store and I left for three days and You became back.
0: a missing person.
1: Yes. You concerned everyone in your life. They got
0: a lojack,
1: this son of a bitch. And that sets up one last kind of long quote that I feel like really encapsulates the entire spirit of this book. Here goes. All the women that I've been married to they all know that I play golf, that I gamble, and that all I want, besides plenty of loving, is Diet Coke in the refrigerator and a clean house. And I do most of the cleaning anyway. I'm a neat freak. What's the problem with that? They know who I am, they know what I do. It hasn't changed since the PGA, except for the booze. For me, it's golf and gambling. I'm a homebody. I don't do anything. I don't ever want to go out. I hate going out to eat. I never want to go anywhere unless it's a casino. It's the way I was when I met them. It's the way I was when we were together. It's the way I was when we split up. And it's the way I'm going to be tomorrow. What a fucking asshole.
0: I ain't doing nothing.
1: Yeah, again, you can't make that argument that, hey, they knew what they were getting into when they married me. If you meet this woman when you're sober... He had been sober for a couple years by this point, and he meets this woman, and she gets one version of John Daly. And then he gets married and is like, All right, time to start drinking like John Daly again. And then he's like, Why is she no like me anymore? Why is she no like
0: John? What'd I do? Just because I abandoned family for three days drunk?
1: I still hit golf ball.
0: I still hit golf I, ball far. I still grip and rip. I grip it and I rip st- it. I still hit it. I still hit the ball.
1: Then I write a book. I come back. Ball and book come back from the casino three days later why she don't like me
0: yeah that's- it is funny that the one main thing is like you know i'm a piece of shit
1: <laughs> it's all your fault for not knowing i'm a huge piece of shit and that's an argument we've heard a couple times throughout this podcast series from like dennis rodman but dennis rodman has more of a point when he's making that argument Because he's making it in regards to, well, you see how I am as a basketball player. I'm going to be great on the court. I'm going to do all the things you need me to do, but I'm going to be a nightmare otherwise. And you know that's what you're getting when you sign Dennis Rodman. John Daly's not doing that. He's like, I'm changed, baby. I don't drink. I drink 22 Diet Cokes a day, but that shouldn't be concerning. That doesn't speak to addictive behavior at all. Yeah. That isn't dissolving my bones. That's not worse than drinking alcohol. I mean, it is the thing that probably gave him bladder cancer eventually. So also that thing about I hate going out to eat. I never want to go anywhere. I guarantee that's not how things are when this relationship started. I guarantee he was whining and dining the shit out of her. And how are you going to argue I never want to go anywhere, but also you're mad at her because she doesn't want to travel with you all the time. None of this makes sense, John Daly. But... Hmm. After all of that, he spends a couple really gross paragraphs speculating on whether Paulette actually just married him for his money. And he shits on her because she worked at California Pizza Kitchen when they met.
0: What? Yeah. Did you go to the California Pizza Kitchen there, John?
1: Oh, he actually follows that up and is like, well, not to be shitty to California Pizza Kitchen. They make very good pizza. It's just that this lowlife broad was working there when she met me. And I think she just wanted me for my money. And it's like, sounds like it. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like you don't offer much more, John.
0: And what else are you doing, my man?
1: But she got her Rolex and a lot more, is the quote at the end of this section. She's the wife who filed for divorce when he went to the Betty Ford Center in the last episode. Fittingly so. Appropriately so. Yeah, she's right. Every one
0: of his wives that filed for divorce was correct. Oh, 100%. They made a smart move.
1: And he ends this chapter being super duper gross about a woman who I feel like he was still engaged to at the time because he calls her almost ex number four or Mm. Leslie. He gives her the name Leslie, but he acknowledges that it's a fake name. And he just spends a bunch of pages shit talking her because she also likes women and he talks about how he bought her a ring and how they got engaged but he also calls her almost ex number four so are they still together maybe he means they almost got married and he dodged that bullet i would like to add that when you're a celebrity
0: people are gonna know who you're talking about
1: yes that's also the very shitty thing here
0: like what part of that is being missed here that he's just like well i'm gonna give her a fake name it's like Dude,
1: you're famous. Yeah, people would have known. a famous asshole. We could probably go look it up and find out who he's I, talking about. Imagine when she reads the book. Yeah. She's I'm like, in sure the other had... room, what the fuck, <laughs> man? <laughs> yeah, it's a challenging chapter in the book. We're not done with it. We've hit the end of this episode, but we can't cover all of John Daly's marriage history in the span of one episode because we have to talk about Sherry Miller still. And Sherry Miller is the John Daly of John Daly's wives. Classic. Sherry Miller is when John Daly finally meets the woman he deserves. I
0: think. Unstoppable force meets immovable object. (laughs) Yes.
1: It is a meeting of the minds and uh, it turns into quite a showdown. Someone pulls a knife on someone. I think
0: you'll be pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah, I think you'll be surprised at the turn that story takes. So in conclusion... Don't marry John Daly. No, don't. Yeah, I would not. I wouldn't marry John Daly. He's engaged right now. He's been engaged since 2014.
0: Yeah, that's an eight-year engagement to Anna Claticus.
1: That's a long engagement. And they were together for seven years before that. They've been together since 2007. Stuck with it. The same year his marriage to Sherry Miller ends. She's Uh, kind of a smoke show, too. Anna Claticus. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Very much so. Good for her. Yeah, good for him.
0: She's like, what can I say? I like men that disappear for three days at a time.
1: (laughs) What can I say? I love an unreliable man. It's my fave. She's like, I love a guy who is a shitty Trump supporter who leaves (laughs) all the time. Yeah, I'm not surprised he's a Trump supporter. Like this book, he talks the way Trump talks, the way he talks about himself the way he talks about other people. He's clearly a bit of a narcissist and he definitely sees the world as a thing that revolves around him. And I mean, it kind of does. Like in his world, the world does revolve around him. He set up a world where that happens, at least again, up to the point of the events in this book. He might be completely reformed by now. I have no idea. We'll find out. Yeah, We're going to get into present day John Daly by the time this is over
0: join us on john daly's birthday
1: (laughs) that's right that is going to be a gift to him our final episode of this podcast (laughs) so until then i think we are done Do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? If you happen to be listening to this
0: upon release, you should come join me at Redemption Rock Brewery in Worcester, Massachusetts tonight, Thursday, April 14th. I'm going to be doing a very, very limited engagement uh, homecoming show. The official pay for my flight home show is there. You can also check out Jeff Has Cool Friends at patreon.com slash Jeff May, along with a fine with Kim Crawl. You can check out Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network. Mint on Card is back second Friday of every month, except May, May 6th at Blast from the Pass and beautiful Magnolia in Burbank. And of course, if you are going to be at Motor City Comic Con in Michigan, I will be there hosting panels. So come say hi.
1: I'm not going to be there. So I don't want you there. I'm not going to come say hi. You know what? Well, I wouldn't if I was there. You're not welcome. In Detroit. Read the tattoo.
0: This means not welcome.
1: I host the preferred true crime podcast in Michigan, so I think I'm more than welcome in Detroit. That's a real thing. Pretty scary. Favorite true crime podcast in Michigan.
0: You just knocked over your own goddamn camera while now, you were trying to talk shit about it. I got a privacy thing
1: on it that just fell over. That's all. Because I, oh. I take cybersecurity seriously. You don't seriously. Deserve privacy. I don't. I don't. And I don't have any of these things on all the time. You piece of shit. And I think that's it, right? I don't have anything yeah. to plug. Patreon.com slash tech. You're already subscribed. But you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Todd Brown. We're going to be doing some other social media stuff soon. It's going to be all very exciting. Um, Ooh, people exciting, have no like idea. Baby. Have no damn idea. Until then, Jeff's a bad person. And we should get... I, I had mm. it in the notes. I'm sorry. So I had to say it. Why are you so mean? Well, because you you nag me all the time about how I get drunk and I disappear for three days when we're supposed to record. And it's rude. I I have before said that, yeah. It's rude of you to comment on that. I didn't leave so I could hear you talk, okay?
0: I didn't leave this car of the train in order (laughs) to hear you,
1: Zach. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Jeff, say goodbye. You get the Dale
0: Crafton rookie card, everybody.
1: Goodbye, That's a lady. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. We love you.